0: And thanks for listening.
1: This is Climate One. I'm Greg Dalton.
0: And I'm Arianna Brocious.
1: And today we're talking about cryptocurrency and climate. As you may or may not be aware, crypto mining, particularly for Bitcoin, uses a ton of energy. The New York Times reported recently on a Bitcoin mining operation in Rockdale, Texas, that uses as much electricity as 300,000 nearby homes. That makes it the most power intensive Bitcoin mining operation in the country.
0: The report identified 34 Bitcoin mining operations in the U.S. that use nearly as much energy as 3 million homes. This totally shocked me. I had no idea Bitcoin was so energy consumptive. But it turns out Bitcoin is designed that way on purpose to be super secure. It's
2: almost like converting electricity and the waste of electricity, if you will, into security. And there's so much electricity being used that no one can use enough to corrupt it.
0: That's Rolf Scar of Greenpeace. We'll hear more from him in just a minute.
1: I kind of knew that Bitcoin was an energy hog, but I didn't know the complexities or issues around it. The vast majority of Bitcoin mining is still powered by fossil fuel generation. And that mining contributes an estimated 65 megatons of carbon emissions to the atmosphere. I don't really know what 65 megatons is, but I know it's a big problem.
0: Yeah, and this is the decade when we need to be dramatically cutting emissions to address climate disruption. And even when Bitcoin mining uses renewable power, environmentalists and others argue that it's drawing that power away from other places where it could be more useful in their eyes, powering homes and businesses during this energy transition.
1: Seems like so many better things to do with that energy. But Bitcoin proponents like Brittany Kaiser of Griffin Digital Mining say the value of such a secure digital currency is worth it. And the right rules can clean it up.
3: Every single industry, including Uh, Bitcoin mining has good actors and has bad actors and the entire point of having common sense regulation is to block out bad actors and incentivize good actors to make even better decisions.
0: And I'm going to be honest, Greg, and say that before we did the research for this episode, a lot of this crypto discussion was kind of over my head. It's not something I interact with a lot and it's not the most intuitive system.
1: Indeed, it's confusing for me, and I used to cover tech. For listeners in the same boat, one of the important distinctions in the crypto world is the different ways you can validate transactions. There are two main ways of doing this, called proof of work and proof of stake. I don't think you need to really understand the intricacies of each, so long as you know that one of them, proof of work, which is what Bitcoin uses, requires a ton more energy.
0: So I talked with Rolf Skar. He's a senior advisor at Greenpeace, and he helped me understand some of the fundamentals of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin mining. He's with a campaign that Greenpeace, the Environmental Working Group, and others have started that advocates that Bitcoin change the code underlying the currency to make it more climate friendly.
2: Bitcoin mining is now contributing a lot of greenhouse gas emissions, where it wasn't just a few years ago, to the point where they're actually restarting fossil fuel power plants like coal plants that were on their way to retirement here in the U.S. Um, So it's taking us exactly in the wrong direction um, at exactly the wrong time in the climate crisis.
0: And just how much energy does Bitcoin consume?
2: It changes all the time, but it uses about as much electricity as mid-sized countries like Sweden at this point.
0: Wow. So
2: it's a lot and it's growing. And that's part of our concern is not what so much it's doing right now, but where this is all going.
0: So, for someone who is like me, not that well versed in cryptocurrency, can you explain why it's so energy intensive?
2: Yeah, you've probably heard the term crypto mining, and most of the cryptocurrencies out there don't do mining anymore. So, just last year, the second biggest one, Ethereum, switched away from mining to be much more energy efficient. So, right now, when you hear crypto mining, you really talk about Bitcoin, and there aren't shovels or picks involved. This is just a term referred to the busy work done by machines, like very specialized computers that are helping to keep the whole system going. These mining machines are guessing random numbers, essentially. It's like rolling a dice that has millions of sides on it as quickly as you can. And then about every 10 minutes, one of the miners, and they're competing against each other globally, is rewarded um, by guessing the right number, essentially, uh, through a newly issued Bitcoin. And what they're doing is providing security and a record of the transactions since there's no centralized bank that's checking on where the money's going they need this ledger as they call it uh, to be maintained you need to have some way for the community to check and importantly a way that no one actor like a bad actor who wants to game the system or grab all the bitcoins for themselves can actually do that so you have to make it difficult by using all of this electronic work, the proof of work that goes into who gets to validate the next transaction and get a newly minted Bitcoin. So the idea was, this will be too hard for any group of people, even if they had a lot of money, to actually take over. At this point, if you're using as much electricity as Sweden, that's difficult for any one company even to do. So it's almost like converting electricity and the waste of electricity, if you will, into security. And there's so much electricity being used that no one can use enough to corrupt it. It's kind of crazy.
0: So is there like an end point at which it's just gonna be too energy intensive or too hard or too time consuming to get more Bitcoin?
2: Yeah, it's starting to get there. So as the price goes up and down, that's the other important thing, if you're a mining company and they're big, large, even some publicly traded companies now, and you're looking at two things essentially. The price of bitcoin and the price of electricity and those two things are mainly what determines whether you're making money or not as the price goes up it's more profitable to spend more money on mining machines to pay more for electricity as it goes down similarly the inverse is the case there are a fixed number of bitcoin that are planned to be um, issued but the process is supposed to continue for over a hundred more years and i think sometime between now and then the proof of work approach um, is not going to be tenable on a finite planet. And we're seeing miners already getting kicked out of entire countries like China. Uh, They're running out of cheap electricity. You know, States are taking action. New York issued a two-year moratorium on new fossil fuel linked uh, crypto mining operations. So I don't think this is going to continue forever. And that's why we're suggesting a code change makes a lot of sense, even if you like Bitcoin a lot.
0: When we talk about the energy usage for Bitcoin mining, is it The computer processing or server farm cooling or both or what what's actually going into that
2: yeah it's both i mean it's a good question so these machines are very uh hungry for electricity they're guessing as quickly as possible like trillions of guesses a second and you've probably had the experience of like your laptop overheating when you have too many tabs open these things get very hot very quickly and then depending on the cooling system the Fans, um, everything else that's like just trying to maintain these these machines, but the bulk of it is the machines themselves that are, you know, really supposed to run twenty four seven because none of these miners want to drop out of the system. Every guess that they make is another chance to be rewarded, and so it's a round the clock operation. Communities that um, are being affected by Bitcoin mining, the number one complaint that they have is noise. Some have uh, described it as being next to uh, a plane that's getting ready to take off, but it never leaves the airport because it's just sitting there buzzing 24 seven. And it makes living near these things oftentimes untenable uh, for people. So um, it's, it's, it's not just a couple of computers. It's like giant warehouses of buzzing machines.
0: So I want to back up one second to something you mentioned earlier, which is that we've seen crypto mining operations restart some decommissioned fossil fuel plants, especially coal plants, to bake this power that they need. If these are private companies buying private power plants, how is this regulated?
2: Regulation in the U.S. is really local. Like uh, here in California, where I live, there's some large utilities that control, essentially in a monopolistic fashion, large swaths of this big state's electricity. But in rural parts of the country, there's rural electrical co-ops. And we've seen Bitcoin miners go to the places where the regulatory environment is favorable and where electricity rates are cheap, and in some cases where they can actually take advantage of essentially subsidies from from rate payers.
0: So as you've also mentioned, last fall, Ethereum, which is the world's second largest cryptocurrency, moved from one Validation protocol to another, and that reduced its emissions something like ninety nine point nine percent. That's yeah. staggering. Um, what did it take for that to happen?
2: Well, it has. Um, even though it's similar to Bitcoin in many ways um, and was using proof of work, there was a little bit more of a of a leadership body that sort of steered this process. It's not as formal as some other companies were familiar with, but essentially they had a foundation and some leadership that. Pushed this process and they tested it for several years. You had to get the bugs out and kind of run two systems in parallel. And then, yeah, there was a moment last fall where they just flipped the switch, and ninety-nine about nine percent of its electricity uses just went away overnight. So that's the real opportunity for us. You know, we're looking at the opportunity, the upside as well in a climate crisis when we need all the help we can get. Bitcoin could do the same thing, something similar, maybe even better and uh, really help out um, our fight against climate change.
0: So Bitcoin could do this?
2: Yeah, there's nothing technically getting in the way. This is essentially a social problem. So the system itself doesn't have formal leadership and it responds to this distributed social ecosystem, if you will. So if enough companies and institutions and stakeholders within the system said, yeah, we think this is a good idea, code can be developed tomorrow and suggested and tested. Um, and can move very quickly. But it's mostly um, something that needs to come from the community itself and the stakeholders involved in it, recognizing that there's a need for change.
0: So given that there's sort of this lack of centralized authority with Bitcoin, are we seeing pressure among these other stakeholders to make that change?
2: Well, there's a lot of stakeholders, but um, we're hoping that this is a growing movement, really. And in particular, we're looking at some of the financial institutions, the banks the asset managers, and those who kind of support the whole system to take action. You know, many of the big banks that are actually moving into this space increasingly, not running away, even in the aftermath of some of the dramatic collapses of Silicon Valley Bank or FTX, the trading platform, they're moving in big. And they often have very specific climate commitments. And they haven't acknowledged that the climate impacts and the community impacts from Bitcoin mining has anything to do with them, but we think it does, because it doesn't. If it doesn't belong to them and it doesn't belong to anybody, then whose emissions are these? You know, so we think they can play an important role in incentivizing um, and making the process move forward to test out what might make sense for 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 Bitcoin in the future.
0: What percentage of stakeholders would need to be on board to make this code change, and and who's against it?
2: Yeah, it's it's an open question. You know, it's not an election. It's not like a shareholder. You know, vote or something like that. We don't know yet. Um, we do know that Bitcoin has changed significantly in the past. So there's regular code updates to fix little bugs and things like that, and they all go through a relatively small, a very small group of gatekeepers or custodians—about six people, some of whose names have been shrouded in mystery, and some who are um, have been identified publicly. These are real humans who are essentially custodians of the whole system, and do things like code updates. So in 2017, there was a really big one. It was contentious. Some people within the community call it the Bitcoin civil war. And it it resulted in sort of a new form of Bitcoin that we all call Bitcoin now. And then some other versions of Bitcoin, like Bitcoin cash is an example of a different sort of Bitcoin that still survives to this day, but is not as popular as the big one. So we anticipate something similar maybe happening in the future where There's an efficient form of Bitcoin that makes sense during a climate crisis to everyone, from everyday investors to big financial institutions. We think people will be more and more concerned about climate change and will want to make sure that when they're participating in the crypto economy, that it's aligned with their values and the realities of a a world dealing with a climate crisis.
0: Mm -hmm. Who would be in favor of keeping the current system and why?
2: Well, there's a vocal, um, I think it's a minority, a vocal group of mostly folks online who um, have sort of an orthodox approach to Bitcoin, where it's perfect just the way it is, and even constructive criticism and debate is not welcome. And so there's a rigidity there, a cognitive rigidity that would have to be overcome. But again, even with a code change, they could probably stick with an older version of Bitcoin, just wouldn't be as popular. The mining companies themselves are probably resistant to change because right now their business model has everything to do with mining. And in the future, the whole idea would be to sidestep the need for all that electricity usage and the rest of it. However, that said, I think there's some upside for them too. And a transition away from Bitcoin mining um, could be designed to provide financial incentives and essentially a soft landing for them. I mean, all their electricity bills would go away, essentially, and they wouldn't have to keep buying these expensive machines. So I think there's a way for them to to participate in the system and benefit from a transition as well.
0: So as a casual reader of financial headlines, my impression is that the Bitcoin bubble burst. And with the collapse of trading platforms like FTX, is there any reason to believe that cryptocurrencies will just be a fad that will go away on their own and we don't need to worry too much about the carbon footprint?
2: I don't think so. You know, the headlines uh, touting Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies demise seem to come out every couple of months, and they've done that for years now. I think there's real value in these systems to people. Now, maybe not you and me, but certainly many millions of others, and there's a lot of potential upside. And there's a lot of people who see that there's money to be made. I mean, FTX collapsed, but then after that, we saw banks and financial institutions move in to the space, not move away from it, buying up distressed assets, setting up uh, their own trading platforms like Fidelity, the big... 401k and benefits provider retirement packages things like that debuted its own trading platform and is offering it to their tens of millions of 401k customers so uh, i trust that the likes of goldman sachs and fidelity as they're moving into the space have done their homework and they know that this is this is not going away anytime soon
0: so even if bitcoin moved to some lower energy protocol every transaction uses some energy, right? And I'm curious how much and how the, the energy use of a single Ethereum transaction, for example, compares to like a Visa or MasterCard transaction.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it depends, on, there's a bunch of different popular cryptocurrencies. Some of them arguably are using less energy than a Visa transaction, for example, because they were designed to be highly efficient. And you know there's a lot of upside to that. Right now, a single Bitcoin transaction, depending on how you define it, uses as much um, electricity as an average household uh, in the U.S. over about 27 days. So almost a month's worth of electricity for one transaction. Wow,
0: that's a lot. That is a lot yeah. of energy.
2: Depending on how you slice it, that's 70,000 plus you know, Visa transactions uh, for, for one Bitcoin transaction.
0: So do you think we should get rid of Bitcoin altogether?
2: nah not really i mean again i don't i think there's <laughs> there's a lot of people who are fighting a lot of benefit in it and this campaign is really about like the community and climate impacts and the upside of of a switch a switch away from the current way of doing things to a more efficient future
0: rolf Scar is the senior advisor with greenpeace usa thank you so much for joining us on climate one thank you
1: you're listening to a climate one conversation about the climate impact of crypto mining Please help us get people talking more about climate by giving us a rating or review. You can do it right now on your device. You can also help by sending a link to this episode to your friend. By sharing, you can help people have their own deeper climate conversations. Coming up, two perspectives on the impact of Bitcoin's high energy use. It's
4: sucking up energy that could otherwise be used to power people's homes and and their workplaces and what we need to be doing at this stage in order to decarbonize our grid is prioritizing the building of transmission and taking up as much of that energy as possible.
3: This is not the only industry that uses uh, a significant amount of energy, but this is an industry that is self-organizing in order to become more environmentally friendly and to have a positive impact on uh, society around the world.
1: That's up next. Now that we have a grounding in the basics of Bitcoin and crypto mining, we're going to dig into the arguments for and against this digital currency when viewed through a climate lens. Joining me is Thomas Smarr, a senior attorney for the Earth Justice Clean Energy Program, and Brittany Kaiser, chair of the board at Griffin Digital Mining, a Bitcoin miner pursuing a negative carbon footprint. As we just heard from Rolf Scar of Greenpeace, Bitcoin has gotten a bad rap among environmentalists because of its massive energy use. I asked Brittany to respond to that depiction of her industry.
3: You know, you can build all of the best technologies in the world, but education and legislation and regulation go hand in hand with the building of those new technologies in order to make sure we're actually... Solving problems in a way that has larger impact. And unfortunately, you know, even though Bitcoin has been around for over 13 years now, there's still a very small population around the world uh, that is fully clued in on how these technologies function. And once people actually understand how these technologies function and how important they are for, The progression of society past some of the uh, unfortunately unethical technologies that are mostly used today. Everyone will see that this is a huge opportunity for society, for freedom, and for the ability for technology to become more ethical and congruent with the type of world we want to see.
1: So, are you saying that environmentalists who point to the energy impact of Bitcoin are overstating the climate impacts of Bitcoin?
3: I would say that they are concentrating on just a few of the bad actors that happen to be in the industry. There are tons of tons of companies and individuals that are in this space that have been seeking to do it in a better way. Uh, Bitcoin mining can use any type of energy and actually in in plenty of business models, we are incentivized to use carbon-free energy sources, to use stranded renewables, to be able to balance grids in places where there is instability. But I think it's really important for us to recognize uh, the use cases of this technology and that this is not the only industry that uses uh, a significant amount of energy, but this is an industry that is self-organizing in order to become more environmentally friendly and to have a positive impact on uh, society around the world.
1: Right. So you want to sort of separate the energy used and the and the, the service of the technology and have that distinction. Tom, how big a problem is Bitcoin?
4: What we've seen just over the last few years is an explosive growth in crypto mining in the United States that's impacting utilities, energy systems, emissions, communities, and ratepayers. Just in the year prior to July 2022, Earth Justice put and the Sierra Club put out a report in September of 2022 that looked at the Bitcoin mining that had taken place over the previous year. And just over that previous year, Bitcoin had consumed an estimated 36 billion kilowatt hours of electricity, which is as much as all the electricity consumed in Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Rhode Island combined. Uh, and this leads to massive carbon dioxide emissions, the vast majority of the Bitcoin mining that's happening is still powered by fossil fuel generation. We're at a time right now where we have no time to waste to clean up and decarbonize our grid if we want to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. And what we're seeing is that these mining facilities are chasing loopholes in our energy system, looking to set up shop in places where they can get the cheapest energy prices, and in the process, slowing down the transition away from dirty fuels and toward clean energy. Uh, we need to be getting the clean energy to, to people who need it. And Bitcoin mining has popped up as a major obstacle that's dragging us in the wrong direction.
1: Brittany, your response?
3: So much of the Bitcoin mining operations that have uh, gone for stranded renewables, the reason why they're able to set up shop there is because there is no other uh, there's no other client for that energy. And so uh, when that is set up, it allows those renewable facilities to not only be further developed, but hopefully to fund those facilities until they eventually could be connected to the grid or to any local neighborhoods that would be able to use it. Uh, But there are tons of facilities all over the United States. I mean, North America in general, Europe, uh, South America, all over Africa and Asia that are specifically being funded by new Bitcoin mining operations, but then are selling renewable energy back to the grid or are funding stranded operations until it might be possible to fund that grid connection, which is usually uh, not a, a quick or a simple decision for a local government to make or even for uh, uh, for big power companies to make. So I think it's really important to think about the fact that there is a financial incentive to to scale out renewable facilities, to scale out carbon-free facilities that are being powered by both nuclear and renewables, and that that opportunity is really unrivaled. And it's only going to come to fruition if we have the correct legislation and regulation that helps prevent bad actors that are using too many fossil fuels or even setting up new facilities with fossil fuels. We want to incentivize companies, not just in this industry, but in all industries, to decarbonize and to create uh, the opportunity for more carbon-free power sources to be available for everyone.
1: I mean, it seems to me that like what both of you're saying could be true. Yes, there are some uh, developers that are are developing Bitcoin uh, for renewables. And what, what Tom's saying, that there's a lot of Bitcoin mining that happens, uh, fossil fuels. Both can be true if we're looking at different halves of the pie. But, Brittany, I'm still unclear. You know, if stranded coal is cheaper, certain people without the regulation that you're talking about are going to go for that. And I'm not clear also where the incentive comes from. Who pays a, a green premium for Bitcoin that is mined using renewable energy?
3: So, right now, there is a market for uh, green coins. That is something that is very early and not something that anyone that's specifically choosing to decarbonize their operations is shooting for. Uh, what we're really shooting for is the ability to be an ESG friendly company where we are proven to be sustainable and therefore most of the biggest funds around the world that are ESG mandated would then be able to not just invest in our companies, but also in Bitcoin as an ESG friendly asset class. That's really what everyone is working towards. Uh, So I think it's really important that all companies are, are treated individually because every single industry, including Bitcoin mining, has good actors and has bad actors, and the entire point of having common sense regulation is to block out bad actors and incentivize good actors to make even better decisions.
1: Right, and you might be doing that with Griffon, your company, to be an environmental, social, and governance, or ESG-certified business, so you can attract certain kinds of capital, people who want to align their values with yours. And it still seems that there's other companies out there that are going to go for the cheapest path. And that is, as Tom's saying, let's get you in here, Tom, hooking up uh, dormant coal plants and getting the cheapest, dirtiest energy.
4: Yes. Well, we have seen um, throughout the United States that um, there have been a number of coal fired power plants that were slated to retire because they're no longer cost effective to serve to serve regular customers that have had their lives extended, m- meaning millions of, of tons of carbon emissions per year because of the, what's called behind the meter Bitcoin mining, where a Bitcoin mining operation sets up shop right next to the coal-fired power plant and then runs it 24-7 at a rate that it would otherwise be running at a much smaller percentage and, and, and moving into retirement. But I wanted to s- circle back to the idea of curtailed uh, renewable energy. We have not seen any examples that have been verified of of a new wind or solar installation that has been developed primarily by a Bitcoin operation. Um, Even if there were any, they would be the major exception, not the rule. Um, The fact is that mining operations operate and draw on the grid at all hours, not just when there's excess solar or excess wind. And the companies that are developing solar and wind have an incentive to try to connect up to the grid as quickly as possible. Um, The idea that a a Bitcoin mining operation, which is inherently wasteful by design, it's using 99.95% more energy than a proof of what's called the proof of stake model, the Ethereum uh, approach to, to, to verifying transactions currently uses. Um, the idea that using dramatically wasteful amounts of energy in order to encourage new renewables is in our view, deeply flawed and, and, and bad public policy.
1: We'll get back to my conversation with Thomas Smarr and Brittany Kaiser later in the show. Because a lot of this discussion can be complex and abstract, we wanted to visit a couple of these crypto mines on the ground. As Lily Jamali reports, mining of cryptocurrencies has become big business here in the U.S. But communities where these crypto miners have moved in have misgivings about their new neighbors.
5: Inside an old aluminum smelting plant in the upstate New York town of Messina, thousands of high-powered computers are in the hunt to generate the next Bitcoin. A year ago, Ben DeGras, who was then the facility director at North Country Colocation Services, gave me a tour. Stacks of these mining machines are organized along giant wings of the plant called potlines. These potlines
1: used to hold uh, what was known as smelters, and they used to, process aluminum and other metal uh, materials rather than starting over we were able to use a little bit of this infrastructure and expand on it to basically you know suit our mining needs here today
5: the operators of this crypto mining facility were drawn here by the space the cold weather good for keeping all those machines from overheating and above all the cheap power Over the last few years, as crypto has caught on, operations like this have sprouted up across the country, with their numbers exploding after China banned crypto mining in 2021. New York, with its abundance of affordable hydroelectric power, became one popular location. South of Messina, in New York's Finger Lakes, a group called Seneca Lake Guardian has helped rally support for the first partial crypto mining moratorium by any state in the nation. The group has been organizing against a local operation that brought a retired fossil fuel plant back to life to mine crypto, saying its presence hurts the local agritourism industry. The plant was grandfathered in under the moratorium and is still in operation. Last summer, I kayaked there with Kim Holtzman, a member of the group. She says the plant runs around the clock, making the lake water warmer, and the constant noise affects neighbors like her who live along the lake shore. And in the winter, we constantly see a plume of smoke from the smokestacks. It's frustrating. It's, it makes me sad. It makes me angry. It just changes the whole environment. While New York has had some success in regulating crypto mining, Lee Reiners, a lecturing fellow at Duke Law School, says increasingly crypto miners are drawn to smaller, more conservative communities, promising jobs and tax revenue.
0: You know, that's a very enticing message, especially if you're in a struggling rural area, if you're a local politician. And so they've had a lot of success in, in rural communities.
5: But it's hard to know if those benefits actually play out. Reiner says there's a lot we don't know about how much power crypto miners use, what the source of that power is, and the amount of jobs and revenue they actually bring to communities.
0: So we're really operating, you know, kind of in this this gray area.
5: In rural Navarro County, Texas, local Jackie Sawicki has been fighting the arrival of a crypto mining facility planned by a company called Riot Platforms. This is an indigent county. We have absolutely crumbling infrastructure. The roads are terrible.
0: And we do have local power infrastructure issues on top of
5: Texas grid issues. And those things aren't being addressed. Neither Riot Platforms nor Navarro County's economic development officer responded to a request for comment. But they've said the new facility will bring millions of dollars and hundreds of jobs to the area. So Wiki calls those empty promises and says the crypto miners want cheap power and cheap water, too. It's going to raise our electricity bills. They're going to use a ton of water when we don't have water to spare. Crypto miners say much of the backlash against their industry is coming from people who just don't get crypto. Ben Gagnon is chief mining officer at Canada-based BitFarms.
4: For people who don't see any value in Bitcoin, it's very easy to ascribe any amount of energy usage as wasteful.
5: Gagnon says 5% of the energy BitFarms uses comes from natural gas, a fossil fuel. The rest comes from renewables and might go unused if not for companies like his.
4: When we want to maximize profit, we want to seek those sources of energy that nobody else wants. right? And that means energy that is often wasted.
5: That argument falls flat in Plattsburgh, New York. The city enacted a temporary crypto mining moratorium after residents saw power prices skyrocket following the arrival of a mining operation in 2017. Even when a mining operation is using 100 percent carbon free power, it's increasing overall demand, compelling grid operators to put more fossil fuel generation online to meet the needs of other consumers, says economist Colin Reed. He's the former mayor of Plattsburgh.
1: Even though this industry could claim in Plattsburgh that they're 100 percent sustainable energy, it forces peaker power plants, um, natural gas plants to stay online We're using a lot more natural gas power in New York state since Bitcoin came to the state than we were before.
5: That's even as New York's population is declining. He says that's proof that crypto mining's environmental impacts are very real. For Climate One, I'm Lily Jamali.
1: Coming up, weighing the value of Bitcoin's security as a digital currency against its massive energy use.
3: The entire point of creating a solid technology like Bitcoin and why everyone's been following it for the past 13 years is specifically because it is so incredibly secure and we don't have anything like it.
1: That's up next. Let's get back to my crypto mining discussion with Thomas Smar of Earth Justice and Brittany Kaiser of Griffin Digital Mining. Last fall, Ethereum, the world's second largest cryptocurrency, changed their code in a way that reduced its emissions by 99.9%. I asked Brittany why Bitcoin couldn't also change its code from the energy-intensive proof-of-work validation method and reduce its own energy emissions in a similar way.
3: It sounds pretty good if uh, you're not interested in the future of data protection and privacy. The entire point of proof of work is that it is the most secure technology that we have in the world today. The Bitcoin blockchain has never been hacked because of the layered encryption that is inherent in the proof of work model. If you start to look at the benefits of this type of technology, completely outweighing most of the technologies that we use today for auditability, permission structures, tracking and traceability, uh, crime prevention, you wouldn't say that this is wasted energy at all. In fact, the fact that Bitcoins are an asset class that is traded around the world and considered one of the best performing assets uh, of our lifetime is one thing. The second thing is what the technology actually enables, which is freedom, transparency, and real data protection and privacy, which there are no other technologies that actually enable that today.
1: Right. So it seems like if you optimize for climate, you go down one path, you try to solve data and climate at the same time. That takes us to a different place, Tom.
4: Well, it's important not to conflate wasteful proof of work mining with all digital currencies. Uh, From an environmental standpoint, we are in favor of using technology in a smarter and more efficient way, Um, but the idea that an operation that has very high energy use isn't going to have negative consequences for our grid and for the people who have to pay for, for electricity to to live their lives is, is problematic. Increased load is increased load. And you see all over the country that um, states like Texas, Kentucky, where there's uh, excess coal-fired capacity, where there's in Texas a deregulated energy grid where um, Bitcoin miners are able to sh- set up shop and take advantage of of prices that um, are, are lower in one place at one time and then switch their operations as as prices shift across the grid. What it's doing is it's sucking up energy that could otherwise be used to power people's homes and, and their workplaces. And um, what we need to be doing at this stage with in order to decarbonize our grid is prioritizing the building of transmission and taking up as much of that energy as possible, not allowing companies to come in and profit off of the existing weaknesses and inefficiencies in our power grid.
1: Right. And on that weakness, we have a regulatory regime for utilities that was designed on affordability and reliability. And and the regulations, Brittany, never envisioned these companies coming in, kind of behind the meter, so to speak, and and developing these mining operations. So it seems like they're they are exploiting a loophole, something never anticipated when America's electrical grid was designed and regulated. Is that fair?
3: Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure that's completely fair and applicable to every state. In the U.S., I think that the legislators and regulators in Texas uh, are incredibly thankful that Bitcoin mining has come in in such a big way in the state, because unfortunately, without the winterization of the grid in Texas, where I am right now, and that has gone through Incredibly destructive storms over the past three winters. Uh, without Bitcoin mining last year, we wouldn't have been able to actually power large parts of the Texas grid. The largest Bitcoin mining operators in the state reached an agreement with the governor and many other uh, legislators specifically to push their power back to the grid. Power that wouldn't have otherwise existed—not that was being eaten up off of the grid, but power capacity that was created for these Bitcoin mining companies. And we're On a a dime, you're able to stop Bitcoin miners and just switch them off and then push that uh, energy back to the grid. So it was able to stabilize Texas in the worst winter storm that they had ever seen. And therefore, uh, Bitcoin mining saved lives uh, this past winter in Texas, which I think is very exciting and something that we should look to see as a huge opportunity for stabilizing grids in places that have similar scenarios. No, that's not the same everywhere. And I totally agree with you that, you know, coming in and taking advantage uh, and uh, mining on a grid when there are local towns that are in need shouldn't be a practice that happens. Uh, I honestly do not see that many examples of that being the problem. Usually Bitcoin mining operations have to build out extra capacity for their operations and therefore... That operation can produce excess energy, and that energy can be uh, can be turned off. The energy usage can be turned off, and it can be fed back to the grid in an emergency scenario.
1: Tom, your response: Can Bitcoin be kind of a battery uh, that helps out in certain times, like the when the Texas grid freezes?
4: I think that's a that's a sort of distorted picture in the sense of um, it's, it's sort of to, to give you an analogy. It's like saying that in your home, in your family's home you're trying to save money on energy bills, you're switching out lights to more efficient LEDs, but then you have a teenage son or daughter who brings home 10 computers and leaves them turned on all the time with all of the energy use that that entails, and then when there's time, when there's a need to save money, the teenage son or daughter asks to be paid in order to turn them off. That's what this demand response is. It's paying major energy users to turn off their operations to allow that power to, to shore up the rest of the grid. To me, that sounds like Bitcoin miners are claiming squatter's rights on the grid, where they're saying, we're here and we're going to use all this energy, but if you pay us, we'll turn it off. And to me, that's not a valuable activity or something that should be, that should be uh, applauded.
1: Brittany, isn't there a growth problem here with just the, the load change that because as Bitcoin evolves and becomes more complex, that, that it just it's kind of this beast that has more and more energy appetite over time. And, and that growth itself that, you know, some people say it's that's why it's wasteful by design, uh, that there's a growth problem here, just the vast sheer amounts of energy needed to sustain this activity.
3: Well, until all 21 million Bitcoins are actually mined, yes, the the difficulty tends to go up. And that is why it is the most secure technology that we have in the world today. So thinking about how we value uh, privacy and its relationship with ethics, its relationship with the environment, I think everything that we can possibly do on the legislative and regulatory front to incentivize Bitcoin miners to be good actors and to do the right thing and to choose to develop renewables, to choose to develop nuclear sites and have carbon-free operations, as well as being able to paid to develop enough where we can push more green energy back into the grid, that that's really the ideal scenario. It's something that uh, our company is certainly doing at Griffin Digital Mining, and it's something that there are more and more big Bitcoin mining companies that are self-organizing specifically to do that. And by self-organizing, I mean uh, this organization started before there was any draconian regulation about something out Bitcoin mining if they continued to use uh, fossil fuels like the bill that got passed in New York, uh, which, you know, I, I see the intention behind that bill. Our operations in New York are 100 percent hydroelectric. So we continue to Bitcoin mine in New York. Uh, despite that bill. But it means that uh, other people in the industry that were using fossil fuels uh, were not able to do so. And so looking at regulation that instead of being completely draconian like that, but still incentivizes uh, good behavior and productive behavior and the protection of the environment, I think is the right way to do this, because Bitcoin mining isn't going anywhere. Uh no one's going to stop mining bitcoin no one's going to change proof of work to proof of stake proof of stake can be spoofed and the entire point of creating a solid technology and uh, like bitcoin and why everyone's been following it for the past 13 years is specifically because it is so incredibly secure and we don't have anything like it so to maintain the bitcoin network in the most responsible way possible and to be able to produce the data that proves that Bitcoin is a green asset class. It is definitely where a lot of the energy should be going. Now, what what are the best regulations and incentives? That's completely up for debate. And I think it's something that we should all be spending more time on.
4: Tom, your response? We're hitting on a really important point here, which is the, the lack of, of consistent monitoring and, and regulation of this industry. The crypto asset mining industry continues to be nebulous and opaque. It has very little regulation and reporting standards. There's no single agency that is tracking. This isn't even, we don't even know where all of the facilities are, let alone what energy they're using, where it's being sourced from, what their emissions are. And that makes it very difficult to track and get a complete picture of this full impact. We know there's been this massive explosion in this industry. We know that um, as of last year, 38% of uh, Bitcoin mining in the world is taking place in the United States and it has this massive energy use and CO2 emissions impact associated with it. But we don't know enough to be able to um, point to exactly where the, the largest the largest users are where the facilities are and how to how to most effectively regulate um, there is legislation pending now in Congress um, that earth Justice and a number of other environmental groups have supported called the crypto environmental transparency act uh, introduced by Senator Markey that would be a first step towards answering some of these important questions um, and we would think that that would need to be in place as a baseline you need to have agencies that are tracking where this energy use is is taking place because only then can we truly understand the impacts that it's having on our grid on our ratepayers and on our emissions
1: and brittany you seem like the kind of person that would support that kind of transparency and data collection but a lot of actors in, in this space seem to be of a different uh, stripe, that they're um, more under the radar, less ast- anti-establishment, more independent c- types who would not, I think, submit to voluntary disclosure of of what they're doing and where.
3: Yeah, of course. uh our team at Griffin Digital Mining, uh, where we are, uh, soon to be going public on NASDAQ. Uh, we definitely are submitting ourselves purposefully to all of the audits and public reporting and public data, uh, that we can, that we can possibly do. We're going above and beyond what anyone else in this industry has ever done, hoping to be, uh, one of the leaders in the industry and show other people how it should be done and creating those tools that you rightly pointed out, Tom, uh, that are still lacking and still opaque. Uh, One of the uh, technical consultations that we've been doing for the past uh, two years specifically with uh, the Energy Web nonprofit, a group of energy industry professionals that created a nonprofit to help the crypto industry decarbonize. We've been uh, creating tools with them, uh, some of the largest auditing firms and the biggest asset managers specifically to have those tools that trace and track exactly where those ASIC computers are being plugged in, what is the exact energy mix of those power plants, if they are off grid, if they are plugged into grids, uh, what is the most granular data we can get about the grid mix and extrapolate that to actually have uh, some numbers for those different sites. And that that would then be reported publicly alongside the data of where those machines came from, how they were created, where they got to where they're plugged in, uh, the energy usage that they have while they are plugged in and how they are retired or recycled at the end of the computer's life cycle, which is usually around three years plus, depending on how the machines are treated. I just wanted to respond to uh, that particular bill because I'm a big fan of uh, Senator Markey. He's done some incredible work in data protection and privacy and technology over his lifetime. And I I really believe that this bill has good intentions, but it uh, forgets to mention that somehow uh, the crypto industry or Bitcoin mining are somehow being the first industries to be subjected to these types of transparency protocols. I think it's important that if we're going to think about this for the crypto industry, we should think about this for all industries. And if we're really going to reach our climate goals and work together with the private and public sector, that everyone should have more energy transparency and tracking and traceability of the energy that they're using, uh, because it's definitely not just uh, Bitcoin mining that is completely untransparent about what energy is being used, where their computers are located in which data centers and how those data centers are being powered.
1: Brittany, you have also been a, uh, an environmental activist in addition to being the whistleblower in the uh, Cambridge Analytica debacle with, with uh, Facebook. And there's a certain stream in environmentalism which is all toward efficiency, using less, doing less, walking more lightly on the earth. Frankly, the math of eight, 10 billion people living like you and Tom and me and the people listening to this doesn't really add up. And yet it seems that digital mining and Bitcoin it's this curve going in this other direction with exponential growth, resource growth, and consumption at a time where we're all trying to to kind of be more efficient and get do, kind of consume less. I just want to ask you philosophically: it's like we're trying to go in this one direction, but Bitcoin is this curve going in this rat, in this entirely different direction. Does that resonate with you?
3: For me, I see that the future of technology is not just the crypto industry, it's AI, it's data science, it's robotics, it's electric cars. Every industry is actually using exponentially more energy every day than the day before as we go into a world where emerging technologies are touching absolutely everything and that means that we're going to have to become more responsible about our energy regulation and the legislation that governs how every industry can use energy i do believe that we're currently creating uh, tons of different tools to help bring transparency and accountability to at least technology industries because i do believe that large scale data centers are going to be one of the biggest issues when we're thinking about energy consumption and fossil fuels consumption and moving to uh, carbon-free energy sources so the more that we can actually collaborate on creating a green future the better but pretending like uh, shutting down industries is the best thing that we can do uh, to positively impact the environment without thinking about what is the purpose of these industries what are the positive impacts of these industries Does this industry have much higher positive impact than tons of other industries that could be squashed out to achieve our climate goals? Yes. But I'm not talking about stopping industries. I'm not talking about ending jobs or ending entire innovations. What I think instead is that we have the ability to make all of these industries auditable, transparent, responsible, and of course, green.
1: Tom, if you accept, as Brittany stated, the Bitcoin mining isn't going away. Banning it is unlikely, though some states like New York might try to prohibit from using fossil fuels. What is the path forward?
4: Well, I would say that, you know, one of the basic principles of energy policy is that the cheapest form of energy is the energy that you never have to generate in the first place. Energy efficiency has longstanding been a major way that we've made progress in our country on climate for decades. And the wasteful proof-of-work mining is taking us in the other direction. So uh, I agree that there needs we need to find a middle ground. We need to find ways to provide the digital services of the 21st century in, in ways that will benefit people. But um, simply saying that um, we have to accept the status quo of proof-of-work mining with the massive explosion that we've seen. Just, just in a few years, um, we've seen enough energy consumption uh, to power five states come from this one industry. It's having an impact on the ground. It's slowing down our ability to clean up the grid. It's raising people's electricity prices and it's generating millions of tons of CO2 emissions. And so uh, from the standpoint of the communities who are who are being impacted from all of that, it's simply not acceptable to say that the industry has to be allowed to continue going forward as it is. Um, we need much stronger regulation to get to the heart of of this issue of, of not allowing um, the, the types of practices that we've seen where companies have been able to exploit loopholes in regulation and uh, squat on the grid where it's where it's possible for them to do so. It's simply not acceptable to allow that to continue.
1: Brittany, the protocol that Bitcoin uses to verify transactions, as we've been saying, is proof of work, which essentially requires that computers running the system do a lot of what seems like meaningless work, guessing really big numbers. I hear you saying that this system is more secure. That's why it's preferred for Bitcoin. There's a new proposed framework called proof of useful work, like verifying CO2 removal. Can you explain how that could work?
3: So if you can prove that you are using uh, carbon-free energy sources, or you can prove that in your business you are removing carbon from the atmosphere, then you are actually more likely to win those mining rewards. So for those that don't know how Bitcoin mining works, there are tons of computers all around the world um, in data centers. All these computers compete in order to solve the cryptographic equation that encrypts all of that data and creates a new Bitcoin. In order to change from proof of work to something like proof of useful work uh, that would have to be proposed to the public and bitcoin miners would have to signal for it you'd have to have a majority of bitcoin miners around the world uh, signal and say yes we would like to do this network upgrade and then the network upgrade is implemented so technically it is possible there was um, an upgrade that was implemented to the bitcoin network last year And I think that anything that could possibly save energy is something that is 100 percent worth exploring. But I think people would be very afraid and very skeptical of anyone trying to upgrade the Bitcoin network uh, with a change in proof of work.
1: As we get to the end here, to sum up, what do you each think that you can agree on? Brittany, what have you heard from Tom that you think you agree with him on?
3: What we definitely can agree on is that it's always possible to do better and companies are becoming more responsible. Our grid is decarbonizing and that ideally we have common sense regulation that is incentivizing good actors to continue to be good actors. And those that haven't been good actors in the past have those incentives to drive them towards uh, to, uh, drive them towards better behavior. So everything that we've been working towards at Griffin Digital Mining is to make sure that this industry can show thought leadership and that we can be green, we can be ESG friendly, and that in general, Bitcoin can be a green asset and an ESG uh, mandated asset class.
1: Tom, what can you agree on with Brittany?
4: I've been heartened to hear um, agreement around the idea that we need transparency and we need effective regulation. One of the major challenges to environmental regulation is you have to first be able to measure pollution or measure a problem before you can you can begin to effectively regulate it. And and I was heartened to hear um, Brittany speak to the idea of being transparent with the carbon accounting that, that her company uses internally. I, I would love to see more companies do that, but ultimately it's something that has to be universally required um, in terms of we need to know where these facilities are getting their energy from. We need to have a full accounting of of those emissions in order to have a better debate about how ultimately to solve to solve the challenges and problems that we're, that we're facing.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you both for coming and having this very candid and lively conversation. Tom Samar and Brittany Kaiser, thank you so much for sharing your insights on Bitcoin and blockchain today on Climate One.
3: Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Tom, for all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Climate One's empowering conversations connect all aspects of the climate emergency. Talking about climate can be hard and confusing and interesting and complicated as we heard today, and it's critical to address the transitions we need to make in all parts of society. Please help us get people talking more about climate by giving us a rating or review. You can do it right now on your device. You can also help by sending a link to this episode to a friend. By sharing, you can help people have their own deeper climate conversations. Brad Marshland is our senior producer. Our managing director is Jenny Park. Our producers and audio editors are Aaron Abrocious and Austin Cologne. Megan Basilia is our production manager. Lindsay Shader is our development manager. Our theme music was composed by George Young. Gloria Duffy is CEO of the Commonwealth Club of California, the nonprofit and nonpartisan forum where our program originates. I'm Greg Dalton.